If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Job Doctor. Today, we are going to talk about how you level up your career, uh, which is always an interesting topic. We'll probably cover the five stages of growth in this. Uh, We have a special guest on the phone. It looks like Jess is on the line. Jess, tell us just a little bit about yourself uh, before we get started. Hi, so excited to be here. I have been in marketing for about 12 years now. Um, I've held pretty much every possible marketing role that you can hold um, at this point. I have worked in different industries, so not industry agnostic, um, but mostly have worked at smaller companies uh, to start up Great. in my career. Okay. So you've done really well. You've, you've moved up. Are you uh, what level? Director, did you say? Yeah, I'm at a director level and especially at a startup in my experiences, I've kind of treaded the line between director VP because there's so much work to be done, Mm -hmm. uh, especially at a smaller company. So I do, I do feel like I have had a bit of experience stretching up into a VP level role, um, but titles have been director is where I'm at right now. Wonderful. Well, tell me what's on your mind today and let's dig into some of your questions. Yeah. One of my first questions, I'm sure you get this a lot, is your advice on dealing with imposter syndrome. And if that ever goes away uh, at any stage in your career, I have a really hard time with believing that I'm deserving of where I'm at in my career and and how to grapple with believing in myself sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if this makes you feel any better, but I think we all suffer from imposter syndrome to some degree. Yeah, I know I felt better when I, I was reading an article and one of the Supreme Court justices, who I think when you're a Supreme Court justice, you've made it, right? That's like the highest, most powerful role there is. And she was saying how she dealt with imposter syndrome and had to do a lot of self-talk. And I thought, wow, you know, if somebody at that level can struggle with it, maybe I'm not alone. Um, I have found that the only thing that helps me with imposter syndrome is results, just doing things. And over time, if you focus on your outcomes and the results that you're getting, I think you'll find it's a little bit easier and you start to believe you can do that thing that, you know, and overcome some of those messages that you're telling yourself like, oh, I'm a fraud or I I got here on accident. I really don't know what I'm doing. But I'll tell you, most of the CEOs I've worked with at some level feel like they're a little bit of a fluke or a fraud. So it, it's really common. And I don't know that that is going to help you with everything because I think we all struggle with it regardless of our level. But try to focus less on why you're not capable or why you think you shouldn't be in the role and focus more on giving yourself proof points of the reasons that you are. Sometimes I'll also write down on a piece of paper, what is the belief that I have right now? And then I write down what is the proof of that belief And what I usually find is that I'm making up a lot of crap about why I can't do something or why I'm not as good as I think. And I've usually catastrophized things just a little bit. So try that out. I will. Thank you. 
And how um, normal is it to talk openly about that with your manager? Is that something that you would suggest keeping to yourself as a person and figuring out how to deal with it? Or is it best to have open dialogue about that with your manager and talk openly with them about what you're experiencing? Or, you know, how do you, how would you suggest navigating that um, as mm. a way to? Yeah, I, I don't know that everybody's going to believe or side with me on this approach, but I personally wouldn't talk to my manager about it a lot. And, and the reason is whatever you focus on expands. And so you would be spending your time so much more strategically with your manager rather than treating them like your life coach and hoping they can help you see why you're better than you are, which also I think can create some seeds of doubt with them. You know, you're changing the narrative Mm -hmm. around your performance and who you are. I want that narrative to be really strong. So I would be spending every moment I can with my manager to be talking about where do we need to go? Are we aligned? Are we prioritized correctly? How can we show, or, or, or here's how I'm showing that we're getting the outcomes that we need. How do we make sure the rest of the company, you know, knows and, you know, and we get the uplift that we want as a department for the work that we're doing. I mean, that's really what I would focus on because if you think about it, anytime you're talking with your manager about why you don't think you're capable or why you don't think you deserve to be in that role, you've just shifted the narrative from something powerful that shows you as capable and I've got this to, you know, more of a meek, uh, I don't know if I've got this. So try and keep, try and keep your manager out of being your life coach. That would be my advice. (laughs) That's a great tip. Um, (laughs) When and how would you suggest introducing vulnerability into a conversation with your manager at the level of, you know, when you're directing or vice president of a Mm. marketing department, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of areas of marketing and I don't necessarily know everything about every single area. And so how do you say, I don't know, without sounding like you don't know? (laughs) I I don't think it's (laughs) bad to say that you don't know. Yeah. Somebody taught me, and I can't even remember who it was. It was probably one of the CEOs I worked with, taught me this really great lesson early on. And he said, you don't have to know everything, but what I do want you to do is know how to ask people who know the things you don't know. And that's one of the skill sets that directors develop. And so I'm glad you're asking the question. It's a natural evolution of your job because instead of just utilizing what's in your brain and, and expecting people to come to you and you have all the answers, which is more of a, an entry-level manager mindset, like I can do it and I'm supposed to have the answers, you're not supposed to have the answers. You are supposed to know where to get answers. So think about that. You're supposed to know where to get answers. And this is where you begin to behave more like an executive. An executive, I teach the rule of 33, if you follow my stuff. And once you're an executive, 33% of your time should be spent with your team, about 33% of your time cross-functionally with other teams to make sure everything's going to work okay. And 33% of your time is spent on the outside, working with partners, potential partners, people or companies that can help you, you know, provide a service or a tool that you can use, board members, press, roadshows for raising money. And so when you think about it, you know, we're really hard on those senior, senior leaders because we're like, they're never in touch. They're not even accessible. They don't even know what's going on in the company. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're doing their job, they're not there all the time. So you are mm-hmm. just on the cusp of this and you should be reaching out and finding partners who know more than you. 
You should be, I call it being a curator of knowledge. Every day you ought to be waking up and spending first 20, 30 minutes of your day reading the business pages and understanding what's going on in the industry that you work in and doing searches on what's happening in marketing because you can't have all the answers. So you're successful Mm -hmm. when you know who to go to, not when you know it all. So try Mm -hmm. to remember that. That will also help you with your imposter syndrome, by the way. The the higher you go, truly the less you know and the less you realize you know. And it really is just, it's a matter of not only finding the information and not being, but it's also not being afraid to ask people to help you with things you don't know how to do. You know, I, I would say as a senior executive, I don't know how to do a fraction of the things I have to know to run the department because you can't be an expert in systems, HR systems in my profession and recruiting and compensation and board proposals and, and, and you have to find other people that can help you. Yeah, absolutely. When thinking about that through the lens of a really tiny company, a startup or a really small business where there's maybe 10, 15 people, um, how does that or does that role of 33 shift at all? Because there's less resources. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't have team members yet. And you're doing all the executional work and you're expected to do strategic and Mm -hmm. you're expected to Mm -hmm. be out there. So, you know, it almost becomes like 100%, 100%, 100% (laughs) across all those areas. How do you how do you suggest for, for those of us that work at smaller companies at that size grappling with that? Yeah. Um, you're wearing a lot of hats. I'll tell you though, I'm gonna sidetrack for a minute. I love that you're working in a smaller company. It's such a good way to begin a career because you do have to wear so many hats, but you get to learn so much about so many other departments because there's so few of you. What you'll find is someday when you transition to a midsize or even a large company you're extraordinarily well-prepared because of wearing all of those hats. So while it may be a little exhausting Mm -hmm. now, there'll come a time you're like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I had that experience. When I moved from the smaller company to the big company, I had been able to present to our board lots of different things as a small individual contributor. So it didn't freak me out when I had to present to the board or interact with the board at a senior level. So there's, there's so many, so much richness in it. But you do have to get creative, and that's, that's a benefit of working small. You have to get creative. Don't hesitate to use gig workers like Fiverr, and I'm not paid by Fiverr. I just happen to like them. But find people to do stuff for you because if you try to be all things, it's like me running my own business. I learned really early. I can't be my own accountant and my own podcast director and my own uh, social media person, et cetera, et cetera. You have to find people who can inexpensively help you get where you need to go. So consider, for instance, outsourcing reports or dashboards that help show the company the progression that you're making or tell the executives what's happening in pictures and graphs and data. Don't spend that whole day putting something together when somebody else could do it for you. Learn to outsource because you, you can go as a director and say, I need a small slush fund to use and outsource, and I'm going to save you money because I'm not hiring a full-time resource or even a part-time mm-hmm. resource that's ongoing that we pay and pay and pay. I just need, I need just-in-time resources, and you can get that over the finish line pretty easy and thereby expand your department and your reach. Don't do stupid stuff. 
Don't do stuff that you yeah, could yeah. hire somebody else to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, another question I have is when you're in this director or a VP level and you're reporting into a president or a CEO, obviously that person is incredibly busy and time strapped. Um, how much management and development should you expect at that level, if any at all? Mm-hmm. Are you just 100% leveling up and managing up? Or what's the balance there in terms of you know development yeah. from that person and management from that person versus you bringing everything to them? Well, you know, to some degree, it depends on the leader. Leaders come in all shapes, forms, and sizes, right? You've probably yeah. been around enough to know you're going to have bad leaders and good leaders, leaders that care about your development and leaders that couldn't give a rip about it. But by and large, here's some patterns you can expect. You can expect your meetings are going to get canceled a lot and it's going to be really frustrating. And you're going to say, they don't care about my stuff. And that is not true. So don't extrapolate that from the meetings getting canceled. I think the opportunity for you is you, you need to learn that as you move up the chain, it used to be that when you start low, you're waiting on your manager to tell you what to do. You kind of get to that mid-level And all of a sudden you have, you're giving some input, but the senior people are still kind of driving, kind of driving the truck, right? But now at your level, it begins to shift again. And what happens is you are now responsible to tell them what is needed to run your function, how you're going to run the function. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's almost like the child becomes the parent and the parent becomes the child. At that level, my CEO will never tell me what he wants out of HR in my profession. I'm telling the CEO, here's what we need to do and build to create the vision you have to grow the company. This is the budget I need. Here's the things I need. And here's why we need to build it this way. Or here's why this needs to be a priority for us. So it expect that you at this point, if you're going to continue to grow, you need to be defining what needs to happen in marketing, not the other way around. You need to be listening extraordinarily well to the objectives of senior leadership, what they're trying to achieve, but you're the one putting the plan in front of them and saying, here's the budget I need, here's what needs to happen. So it's a really awkward change for people to get there Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're still somewhat waiting for somebody to tell them what to do or at least say yes or no, but that isn't how it works. I mean, you're kind of on your own. You're kind of on your own island at this point. So you've got to take in all the things the company's trying to do and then use other people and other companies and places to build the strategy. And your job is now to reinforce the strategy that you want to implement and create the why, the compelling why behind it. Don't wait for them to Mm -hmm. do that for you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. How does that feel given your circumstance? Does that resonate at all? Or what does it feel like to work there right now for you? Is that, are those some of the things you're up against? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, it's hard. The And this has happened in, at a lot of the companies that I've been at, um, because most of them have been on the smaller side where um, my boss is always the president or the CEO, incredibly time-strapped. And there was always this dance between like needing direction, but wanting to set direction yes. and, and not quite knowing how always to approach that, in particular when... I've had bosses in in the past that have communicated incessantly that they're so busy, they're super time strapped, they don't have time for anything. And so I have become nervous to set 
too much time on their calendar or, you know, mm. try to t- or take up too much of their time. Yeah. Um, so something unique that I've experienced more, more recently is, is that, you know, a, a boss that communicated that they didn't have a lot of time. They were very, very, very busy. Um, and so I just never really quite knew when to approach them about the things that I wanted to get done. And I, I had a really hard time with communication. It, it just was something that, um, was difficult to nail down between us. Yeah. Let me give you a suggestion that has helped me. You don't want to waste their time. Wasting their time is telling them stuff that you can tell them in an email. So you should save your conversations with them. You don't need to have like a cadence where it's like, I have to have a half an hour every other week or every week. You should be talking to them when a decision needs to be made. And Mm -hmm. you don't need to tell them what you're doing necessarily. You do need to tell them what you're doing, but you don't need a meeting for that. I would recommend you get in the cadence of sending something to your senior leader that's uh, very short, once a week, red, yellow, green, simple, simple. Here's what I, you know, here's what got done this week. Here's some things. Here's what's next up. Here's any barriers that I've hit. Red, yellow, green, same format every time. So they see the same format and then reserve your meetings for real dialogue around prioritization, um, reprioritization changes that you need um, or anything that needs to be tied off that would change the direction of what you're doing. Do not go into a senior leader's office to give them an update. That's just a waste of their mm-hmm. time. They don't need an update. That's stupid. <laughs> but I have had a CEO tell me, when you forget the updates, I've had a CEO go, you know what? You hurt yourself. I had no idea you were working on these things. And it's a missed opportunity Although you think you're taking stuff off my plate so I don't have to think about it, when I don't know what you're working on, I don't have the opportunity to be your greatest advocate. So that's why Mm -hmm. you have to take care of it in some way. I just don't recommend doing Mm -hmm. it in person unless they want to talk about it. And so there's Mm -hmm. a place for it because you've got to manage up and women in particular think that they're being self-serving by saying, look what I did, but you're not. It's a part, a valuable part of being a senior leader, but not in a look what I did kind of way. What you're trying to do is just say, hey, here's what's going on over here. I only need your help in this one area. Let's make sure we're synced up for forward, forward uh, looking things. Try that. See, see what you think. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Jess, thank you for being on the show. I think your questions are really common for somebody at a director level. So I appreciate you putting voice to them. Uh, is there any one thing that uh, sticks out to you that you want to make sure that you do or that you think would be helpful for other people in your same situation? Yeah, I, I really appreciated your tips around creating structure around communication with your upper management leader. Um, I think I've struggled with that in the past and I'm excited to implement some more structure around that for myself, even if it's not being set by my my leader, uh, setting that for myself and, and making sure that I'm being my own advocate because it's easy to forget that in the midst of uh, all the craziness. Yes. Well, I'm glad that was helpful. I actually have something on my website where you can download a couple of templates that you can use. And so people can go to thejobdoctor.com and find that. And uh, I think, you know, they can find the one that is most useful for them. But Jess, thank you for joining the show. appreciate having you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. 
I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.